0: Welcome to the fourth season of Better News, a series of special podcasts it's all journalism is producing in partnership with the American Press Institute. I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Better News offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. The effort is fueled by the American Press Institute and the Knight Lenfest Local News Transformation Fund. The goal of this podcast series is to highlight some of the useful research the American Press Institute has published as part of its Better News initiative. Like many older metropolitan newspapers, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution had a problem. After years of looking for readers in the suburbs, the paper found that its majority white audience did not reflect the true diversity of Atlanta, which has become a center for black culture due to its place in civil rights history and the contributions of local artists, entertainers, and musicians of color. The Journal-Constitution needed to find a way to engage black audiences. Nadja Parker is the newsletter coach at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. She's here to talk about a report she wrote for Better News about how the Journal-Constitution grew engagement with Black audiences through the Unapologetically ATL newsletter. Nadja, welcome to the Better News Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: I am excited <laughs> to welcome you to our podcast. So first of all, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? How'd you end up at the Journal-Constitution being a newsletter coach?
1: Well, I am originally from Memphis, Tennessee. That's where I was born and raised. English was my favorite subject in school, so I'm guessing that's how I got the writing book. I had the best grades in English classes, not so much with the sciences and the maths. And so by the time I made it to Spelman College, I eventually decided to be an English major, I added theater onto that so I could have some more creativity throughout my day. And then once I graduated from Spelman, I finally made the decision to enter the journalism field. It's something that I had thought about in my high school days, but I hadn't taken it very seriously until the end of my college days. So I enrolled into Columbia College, Chicago, and I received my master's degree in journalism from there. My first journalism job was with Jet Magazine. I felt very lucky to land that right after college or right after grad school. But that was where I interned during my grad school days. And I eventually got a job there. And after being with Jet and Ebony for a couple of years, I really did miss Atlanta. I wanted to come back here. Also wanted to be closer to Memphis, which is where the majority of my family is. And Atlanta has always felt like a second home. So I found me a job at the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And I started in 2016 as a content producer. I was on the revenue content team and I produced a lot of content that was viral or trending. And I did that for about three years. A new opportunity came up for me as a multi-platform audience specialist. So that was my first time dabbling into newsletters. That was a part of my responsibility, as well as social media management and homepage management. I did that for about two years. And finally, I became a newsletter coach November 2021. So I haven't been in this role for a full year yet. It still feels kind of new to me.
0: What is a coach? What is the role of the newsletter coach?
1: The role for the AJC of a newsletter coach is to help manage our newsletters. The AJC has more than 20 free and premium newsletters. So I help curate the content that goes into the newsletters. I make sure that they go out on time and that they are edited appropriately. And I also have worked on some strategy for our newsletter product as a whole. So that is my responsibility. That's what my day-to-day looks like.
0: Yeah, and anybody's working in in news now knows the importance of news newsletters. You know, growing engagement, growing your audiences, growing revenue—it's <laughs> it's all part of the formula. So you know, you're here to talk about the piece you wrote for Better News. What was the problem? I kind of alluded to it about you know engaging Black audiences. What did um, the Atlanta Con- Journal Constitution recognize, and how do they go about addressing the problem?
1: Well, we recognize that our readership was one type of person white people who are middle-aged and that was the majority of our audience and we were wondering well why is that the case are we not making content that appeals to other demographics or do other people not know that we have content that is available and that could be appealing to them so we started by using the existing data that we had and that's how we recognize the gap we want more than white middle class people to engage with our content. So that's how we came up with Unapologetically ATL. Okay, well describe that. How is that
0: newsletter different than the other newsletters that you were producing?
1: This newsletter is different because one, it was part of our work from our journey with Table Stakes. We were a part of the Table Stakes process in 2021. The AJC had two teams that participated in it, the newsletter team, which I was obviously a part of. And then we also had a partnerships team. So we kind of workshopped this idea about having a newsletter that catered to black audiences thanks to table stakes. And what makes it different is it's just involving more people in our newsroom than we have before. I feel safe saying that. We decided to tap on journalists in the newsroom who are already embedded into these Black communities, so that could look like them already writing content that could appeal to this audience, or people who are just interested in this type of content. You know, the AJC has so many different beats. We have education reporters, politics reporters, we have wonderful investigative journalists, but we don't have a beat that is dedicated to the culture of Atlanta, which is very, very important. So we have news people or journalists who are interested in that type of content. So we utilize their interest to help us build out what this will look like, this newsletter is also our most engaging newsletter. It has a ton of features that you can interact with. If you enjoy music, there's something in there for you. If you enjoy lifestyle or entertainment stories, there's something there for you. And it's one of my favorite newsletters at the AJC. I might be a little biased in saying that, but I'm okay with that.
0: So you said in amongst there that that is the most engaging. What do you mean by that?
1: There is just more to interact with in the newsletter. A lot of our other newsletters, you can click on the story that is just link driven, it'll take you back to the website. This newsletter allows you to engage with an entire article within the newsletter that was really important to us. Since we're trying to reach a new audience, we want to make sure that we are not giving them content where they will hit a paywall. And I'm pretty sure that would turn off any reader (laughs) pretty fast. So that is one way that we wanted to make it more engaging. And I have already mentioned the playlist. We wanted to include some elements that were fun. A playlist is something you get in the newsletter every week. You'll hear from a different reporter and their musical tastes. And you'll also hear from different reporters through other sections of the newsletter. There's one that's called Tap where news reporters can just talk about things that interest them. So it could be a film, a TV show, a podcast, anything (laughs) that they're interested in that they might want folks to know about. So when I say engaging, you can interact with it in a different way, in a lot of different ways. And you can also hear from several reporters from the newsroom, unlike any other newsletter we have.
0: Is this a daily
1: newsletter? It's a weekly newsletter that goes out Thursdays at 10 a.m.
0: Okay. And so I guess one of the things you're describing there is, you know, I think a lot of people are very familiar with the, you know, we got to get a newsletter out. So people will click on our website, they can read a story. And then if they hit a paywall or they can subscribe to the the paper or whatever, that sort of track, but you're creating content in the newsletter that you want people to interact with. Why that approach?
1: We want to think about our newsletters as its own product As a compliment to our website or our other digital offerings. So that is part of the reason. And again, since we are trying to reach new audiences, we just want to give them a taste of what the AJC has to offer. One of my colleagues, Sean McIntosh, she always describes it as dating. You know, this is this newsletter is like the first date. We you got to see if you like us. (laughs) And then maybe we'll go on a second date, which could look like a podcast. Or it could look like a website and then maybe we decide we want to get married and that could be a premium subscription. <laughs> so we just want to get more brand recognition of the AJC from people that we don't have the attention of. Okay. So you're, you're bringing people to a
0: product that in some ways is, is separate from the main product because they're not immediately engaging with content that you can only get on the website to you sort of build this rapport and this engagement. That's the word. How are you able to convert them to become subscribers or to take part in other things that the AJC is working on?
1: That's a good question. So I mentioned before, you can read at least one article in its entirety within the newsletter. But right underneath that section, we have two complimentary articles that you cannot read in its entirety. So you have to click on those links in order to get to the website. So that is part of how we do that, give them a taste and give them a little bit more of a taste and get them to convert. So we titled this particular newsletter or we categorized this type of newsletter as an introductory newsletter. One of the things that Table Stakes helped us figure out is there are different goals for different types of newsletters. And part of our process was to identify what our goals were for each type. So we have introductory newsletters, conversion newsletters and retention newsletters. Unapologetically, ATL falls into that first category and maybe over time it could turn into a conversion newsletter instead of an introductory newsletter.
0: That's really interesting and really smart too. And I suppose that, you know, the data that you that you mentioned that helped you to discover that there was a problem, that's something you've been able to use to sort of track the success of this newsletter.
1: Recently, we added a survey into the newsletter to help us get some more data about the audiences that we were reaching. So we said we wanted to reach black audiences. Are we doing that? And so the survey included a bunch of questions about people's backgrounds, their age, the type of content that they are most interested in. And that helped us get data that we didn't already have. You know, We have access to the usual open rates, click rates, signups conversion rates, but that data wasn't specific enough. So that's why we decided to include a survey. We ran this survey in the newsletter for maybe about a month and we assessed the results and found that we are reaching a black audience and that made us happy. And that alone gave us a handle success.
0: Okay. So what do you think worked well with your approach as you're doing it? What did you learn? What did you say? Okay, this is good. We should continue doing this.
1: One thing that helped us was simplifying our sign-up process for newsletters just in general. So it's something that we worked on even before launching Unapologetically ATL. Initially, when you went to the AJC, the AJC.com, it was hard to find out where you could even sign up for a newsletter. You also have to like create a login in order to manage your newsletter type. So we wanted to eliminate some of those steps. So we created a very simple link, AJC.com backslash unapologeticallyATL. And when you click on that link, all you have to do is enter your email address. You do not have to create an account for anything. You do not have to pay for anything. You enter your email address and it's it. So that helped our process a lot. We started promoting that specific link across our social media pages and on our homepage, obviously. And we were able to use that same simple signup process for other newsletters. So now plenty of our other newsletters have that same link as well. So that was something that went really, really great for us. And by the end of our first week of launching unapologetically, we had already gotten 1000 signups. And we think that that simple signup link really helped.
0: Wow. If you had a good percentage of those that you could figure through your survey that were your target audience, those are pretty good numbers. So What didn't work? I mean, was there anything that you tried that you realized we're not getting anything, any heat off of it? We should swap this out and do something different.
1: Well, one thing that we are experimenting right now is having that main article that I've described to you be a little shorter. So sometimes they get really lengthy and our concern is that people don't get to enjoy the rest of the content within the newsletter. So the untapped section that I talked about where you hear from a different reporter every week or the Spotify playlist. There's also a video and a photo of the week. Those are towards the bottom of the newsletter, and you can click on some of those things, and our data was showing that people are not getting all the way down to the bottom of this, and maybe that's because that initial article is a little too long. We are working with traditional newspaper reporters who are used to writing for length and newsletters, you have to think a little differently about people's time and how quickly (laughs) they can consume the content. So that is one thing that we are exploring right now is just experimenting with a shorter main story and hopefully that'll improve the engagement throughout the entire newsletter, not just at the top.
0: You reminded me of something that I was at a conference at, it was an audience engagement person from the Washington Post was speaking and he, he said to the crowd, you know, how much time do you think uh, somebody is spending on, on your website on a single story? And people are like, oh, I don't know, you know, five, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, and in my head, I'm sitting here going, it's if you get 30 seconds, you're lucky. Chances are it's going to be, you know, five, six seconds and, and they're on to something else. But, yeah. you know, they were quite surprised. <laughs> but anyway, what's nice about this is, is that. You try things out, you see things that succeed, you see things that don't succeed, you're able to maneuver and sort of refine till you get to a place that you're seeing you know, sort of long-term success. How long has this been going on? When did you start this?
1: We launched September, 2021. So we'll have a one-year anniversary by the end of the summer.
0: And would you say it's been a success so far?
1: Yes, I would say it's been a success so far, which makes me obviously <laughs>
0: very, very Not happy.
1: Right, knock on wood, knock on wood. I still have a job. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: it's,
0: so something must be working. So is there anything that you would have done differently, you know, having had a, some months to see how, how it sort of played out? Would you have launched it differently? Would you have packaged it differently?
1: I think one thing we would have done differently is given us more time to promote. We started promoting heavily about a week out from the launch date and part of the reason was because our simple link wasn't ready just yet so i think if we would have maybe started promoting the product two weeks out or even a month out we might have even gotten even higher numbers during that first week so that's something i think we would have done differently
0: so here's something you're looking for a target audience that as near as you can tell isn't reading your stuff or is avoiding your content and you say promotion, we have to promote to them, you know, well, you can't send them newsletters because they're not on your newsletter list, your email list. They may not even be following your social media. How do you reach these audiences?
1: We experimented with pay social, which helped a lot. And we also used that simplified link that I described and tweeted it out on our personal channels. We engage with different social media groups. So some of us in the newsroom are part of Facebook. Facebook groups that are specific to HBCUs or their black fraternities and sororities. We sent that link out. So that helped a lot. What else did we do?
0: Did you um, engage with any local celebrities or people with big audiences?
1: We did. I'm glad you brought that up. About maybe two or three months into the newsletter, we worked with an influencer for the first time for the newsletter. We worked with Desi Banks. He is an Atlanta native, which helps. And at the time he had 6 million followers on his Instagram page. I do not know what it is now. I think it probably has grown since then, but we profiled him in his journey through social media and his journey to make it to film and TV. We also did a video interview with him that appeared in the newsletter and we made a promo video to promote The content that was going to be in the newsletter, we sent that video to him, which was only about a minute long because we were considering, you know, Instagram. And we asked him to share it across his channels, we also made sure that we tweeted him or had his at sign anytime we promoted the newsletter and we did that the night or the day before the launch of the newsletter, so people could sign up beforehand. And that turned out pretty successful for us. I mean, working with somebody who has 6 million followers is a big deal. And anytime they reshare anything, their fans are going to be curious about what they are promoting. So we want to experiment more with that. That was the first time that that we did that.
0: Yeah. And what's nice about once you get that audience, then... You know, you can start speaking to them directly and encouraging them to share You know, the story that's related to the influencer that that you're following. Maybe you want to share it with your friends.
1: Exactly. And the good thing about this influencer also with his six million followers, I mean, he has the audience that we're interested in. He caters to a black audience with his content. So we figured if we could get in front of his audience, that that would help let people know that the AJC exists and we have content for you. What
0: advice would you give to another newsroom who wanted to find an audience that they wanted to target? It could be, you know, a diverse audience. It's a conversation we've had a lot on on our podcast about newsrooms trying to reach a different type of audience than they traditionally do. You know, what advice would you give to them?
1: I would advise folks to look at their existing research and data so that you can find gaps in your coverage or gaps in your readership. That's a really good place to start. I would also engage with the folks in your newsroom and what their specific interests are so even if the beat is education or politics. Does your organization have blind spots that you are not speaking about I would encourage folks to have open dialogues about that when we first started talking about unapologetically atl to our newsroom folks were really, really excited and they wanted to know how they could engage. So it's like we were stirring up something in folks that hadn't been stirred up in a while. So I would take those two approaches. Look at your existing data and engage your newsroom to see where your blind spots are.
0: Yeah, and it's nice. It sounds like you had a lot of buy-in from from reporters that you have content that's featuring some of the reporters, that's helpful. And the other thing, and this is probably something I should have asked in a different way earlier. You know, the fact is, You start out by saying that, you know, we're not reaching a certain audience and we've been reaching only this traditional audience. And, you know, you want to make sure that if you're luring them in, I hate to say lure, but in the end of the day, that's what we're doing. You want them to subscribe to your paper and and they come to the paper and there's no content. It's not the same type of content. Obviously, it's going to be different content. But if they don't see content that speaks to them in some way, for them, that conversion isn't going to be, you know, long lasting, probably, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. People really got excited about the newsletter and, you know, what, what's the schedule, you know, what's coming up next? How can I write a main story? Or I can't wait to share my Spotify playlist for this week. It's so it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've gotten to work with reporters that I don't work with frequently. So we we've gotten a lot closer <laughs> since the launch.
0: Are you thinking about any other types of newsletters like this that you want to, you know, engage other audiences or around maybe even topics or things like that?
1: We've been thinking about that a lot. So, a lot of our newsletters are link driven. You'll see the headline, a photo, and a call to action that you have to click on to read the story in its entirety. So, we want to experiment more with adding voice and personality to newsletters. So, whether you hear from a sports columnist in the Sports Daily newsletter about what's inside the package, or if you hear from one of our political reporters about what we were discussing before we press record, you know, we we wanna be able to engage people in a way that doesn't just force them to click on a link. So currently we have added more voice and personality to our sports daily newsletter. And instead of just getting links, you actually hear from a real person who has a personality, somebody that is human, that kind of guides you through the content that you're gonna engage with. So that's one way we're trying to improve our newsletters overall.
0: How is that sort of played out? Is it audio? Is there is it a little embedded video or something?
1: That's a great idea. And I will pitch <laughs> that. <laughs> I will be pitching that. Damn.
0: Giving <laughs> will, away all the good ideas. I will
1: give you credit, I promise. But right <laughs> now it's just in written form. So it's like a guide through what you'll get in the newsletter. But I love that video idea.
0: Okay. 10%. I'll take 10%. <laughs> you can take the rest.
1: You know, I'm sure I have to talk to a couple of folks, but I'll see what I can do.
0: Okay, cool. That that'll be good. Yeah, they'll get, you're gonna go to your bosses and they're gonna say no. No, it doesn't matter. We don't need to pay him anything. Um <laughs> naja, what's the one thing you want people to know that they should be doing with their newsletters?
1: Experimentation is something you should be doing, and testing often is something that you should be doing. So Like I mentioned earlier, we discovered that a longer story and unapologetically ATL might not be the way, but we might not have discovered that if we didn't take a look at our metrics on a regular basis. So looking at your data regularly to make sure that what you are doing is working. You set all of these goals at the beginning of a project, but you need to make sure that you're tracking it along the way. And don't be afraid to adjust and make changes based on that. So experiment, have fun. It's supposed to be fun or it it can be fun. I know I'm having a lot of fun
0: doing this. It's like on the side of a cigarette. There's no guarantee that you'll experience the same type of fun that (laughs) Nadja has experiences with her newsletters, but you could taken at the proper doses. I've been talking to newsletter coach Naja Parker about the report she wrote for Better News on how the Atlanta Journal-Constitution used the unapologetically ATL newsletter to engage Black audiences. Naja, thanks for coming on the Better News podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I've had a good time. This might be the highlight of my day.
0: Thanks for listening to Better News, a co-production of the American Press Institute and It's All Journalism. API's Better News Initiative offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. You can find out more about the Better News Initiative and this podcast at betternews.org.